Hi, I'm Pastor Dallas Billington, Senior Pastor here at City Church, and we want to welcome you today to our services. We hope that no matter what you're facing in life, that through the message today, through God's Word, He will truly encourage your heart. Good morning, everybody. It's good to see you here this morning. I see some faces we haven't seen for a little while. I'm glad you're with us. It's good to have you back. And uh, I'm excited about what we're going to talk about today. We are going to talk about the, uh, the rapture and about the second coming of the Lord. And, uh, you know, it was kind of on my mind a little bit for a while. And it was a really beautiful moment. We were, Lori and I were at a funeral for some dear friends of ours whose mom had passed away. And uh, Nancy was a godly woman. One of the last things that she actually did is she posted on Facebook. She goes, one of the greatest and most important things you'll ever do in your life is to accept the Lord Jesus as your Savior. That was her last post. And then the Lord called her home not long after that. So we're at the funeral service, and uh, her granddaughter, Becca, who is probably, I think, 17 years old, and Becca gets up there, and she's just being, being honest, being real. And uh, she said something to the effect of, she goes, I, I know I shouldn't be. She goes, but sometimes I get scared and freaked out about the rapture. And she goes, and it, and it really bothers me sometimes. And she goes, I would go to my grandma and we'd talk about it. And my grandma would make me feel comfortable. Godly grandma. That's a beautiful thing right there, isn't it? When we think about the rapture, I, I like Becca's honesty because if we're real honest, at times, we're all like, the rapture, the thought of it and how it might happen and what it means and how it's going to take place, it could freak all of us out. And we could become a little uncomfortable with something that's meant to be one of the greatest things that we could ever imagine. But the devil wants to mess it up for us a little bit. So how many of you know what the, I think they call it the Tower of Power at Cedar Point is. It's this, it's this ride and you sit in a circle and you can either do one of two options. It can launch you up in like two seconds or you can go up real gradually and then it drops you, okay? I, I ride it, but I won't tell you I like it. And... Uh, it's always like, what, what's going to be the less of, do I want to feel like I'm falling or do I want to feel like I'm flying up? And so I would usually pick I'm flying up. I seem to, I do better with that one. But if you don't like that kind of ride and we think of the rapture and we think of being taken up, sometimes that's our thoughts. We're like, I don't want ripped out. And I don't want to be taken away. And, and then there's other things. It's like a loud noise, a sudden happening might leave us unsettled. And how many of you remember there's like, it started with one movie when the first one was actually pretty good. And after that, I think it was one of those things that Hollywood will often do. It became like a sequel that was like seven or eight movies later. And it gets so stupid that you're like, why did they even put this out? But the first movie was called Taken. And it was with the actor Liam Neeson. And uh, it's actually... It was a good movie, but it was also hard to watch because it was so realistic of this guy's daughters being taken captive and it would kind of freak you out. And so when we think of Taken, 
it, it kind of is an uncomfortable thing, but taken would be more like the devil trying to take your life and the Lord saying, no matter what happens, I will find you and I will redeem you <laughs> and I will come for you. So it's not, it's not a scary thing like it was in the movie. And today, one of the things I want us to all take away from we're going to talk about the rapture, and we're going to go into what some of the things that Jesus taught about it. And I want us to all leave here today feeling more comfortable with God's perfect plan. And I want us to be able to look forward to it and not be afraid. So if you would um, open up your Bibles today. And we're going to start with one simple verse that Pastor Dallas ended the service with last week. And that's Titus chapter 2, verse 13. Titus chapter 2, verse 13. It says, looking for the blessed hope and the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Looking forward to the blessed hope. Let's pray. Our gracious Heavenly Father, we are, um, we're just, we're human, we're flesh and bones. Uh, at times, God, our thoughts betray us, our minds betray us, our bodies fail. We have all kinds of things on this earth because it's just the way that things are made and we live in a fallen world. And Lord, we don't always understand your perfect plan it's hard for us to grasp something that hasn't taken place before. And most of us, in some way or another, we feel like we want to be in control of things. It's hard for us to yield ourselves completely over to you. And Father, sometimes we just don't want to be surprised by things. We want to know what's going on. But that's not exactly your plan. Your plan's better than ours. Lord, I pray today as we look into your word, that, Lord, you'll bring great comfort, bring great hope to your people today as we open up your word. We ask these things together in Jesus' name. Amen. If you would turn to um, Acts chapter 1, Acts chapter 1, and we are going to start at verse 9 through 11. And I want to give you a little bit of background um, on this part. This is, this has been after Jesus was crucified and he rose from the dead and he is with the apostles and he's spending time. And if you look, I think it's Luke or Mark talk about this exact same thing. And one of those gospels, I think it's Luke says, and the Lord Jesus was blessing the apostles. He was praying over them. He was blessing them. And it was at that moment that what we read now took place. So keep that in mind too. Acts chapter one, verse nine says, now when he had spoken these things and while they watched, this being Jesus, he was taken up and a cloud received him out of their sight. And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven, as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, who also said, men of Galilee, why do you stand gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will so come in like manner 
as you have saw him go into heaven. So picture the scene. Jesus is speaking to the apostles. He's blessing them. He's praying over them. And then while this takes place, he literally is giving us a glimpse of what the rapture is like. And he begins to be taken up. And literally, if that happened in any capacity in our lives, we would all stand there with the moment where we're like, what, what is going on? And, and sometimes, you guys ever have those moments where you're just like, you're so shocked, you're so surprised, whether it's good or bad, that you just, you're speechless and you just kind of stand there. And I'll have a lot of those moments in life. And Lori will look at me and she goes, you can close your mouth now. <laughs> I'm like, oh, yeah. And picture this scene is that's the moment that's happening. Jesus is being taken up. And if we were there at that moment and we're all looking it up and it says, and he went into the cloud and they watched him ascend up into heaven and he went out of sight. And they're amazed and they're speechless. And I like this part, and I used to joke about this part in such a weird way. I'll share it with you. But it says in um, the bottom half of 10, it says, he went up, and behold, two men stood by them in white apparel and said, men of Galilee, why do you stand gazing up into heaven? So all of a sudden, the apostles are here, and it would be like if we were, if we were watching Jesus ascend into heaven, and we're all standing and gazing, and then you look beside you, and all of a sudden, there's two angels, and they've appeared, and they're going, why are you gazing into heaven? And we used to do this weird thing, and I, when, we were, when I was playing softball or sports or something, when I'm with some of my friends goofing off and something would happen, it would just be amazing. And I'd go in this real deep, obnoxious voice, and I'd look, and I'd go, why stand ye gazing like men? He hit the ball over the fence. It's okay. You know, and so we would do that. And so um, some of my friends will still say that to me today. Something will come up and they're like, why stand you gazing like men? And this moment took place where they're shocked and surprised and we get a glimpse of what the rapture might be. Because if we look ahead, it says, this same Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will so come in like manner as you saw him go. So what they saw and what they witnessed is Jesus ascending into heaven. He's going to come again in the clouds. And we're going to be pulled up to be with him. So you get a glimpse of that? Here's the part. The apostles left there. Other passages say they didn't leave there afraid. They left there praising God. They were so excited from what they got to see with their own eyes. And we will see Jesus in that way. Let's turn to one of the more popular uh, passages in the Bible of, that concerns the rapture. And that's in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 13 through 18. And uh, if you are looking in your Bible... Right before this passage begins, in my Bible it says here, the comfort of Christ's coming. I really want that to be our takeaway today. I want you to be comforted by it as we get to understand this a little bit better. All right, starting at verse 13. 
But I do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning those who have fallen asleep, lest you sorrow as others who have no hope. As others who have no hope, those who are outside of the faith of Christ. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring with him those who sleep in Jesus. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will by no means precede those who are asleep. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trumpet of God. And the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And thus we shall always be with the Lord. Therefore, comfort one another with these words. Comfort one another with these words. Now, there's still a part of here, humanly speaking, that's, that can be a little unsettling. Trump sounds, loud noise, and all of a sudden, you might be working along somebody at work, you might be with a family member, you might be somewhere else, and you are caught up and they are left behind. And part of that, the whole concept just kind of, it can be unsettling. But I want you to look at it a little bit different today. I, how many of you, <laughs> how many of you, like when you're dead asleep, you want the loudest alarm clock in the world to go off in the morning, and when it does, oh, that makes you so happy. No? No, we're not, not really wired like that. I know um, I, I had a friend, and when his alarm would go off, he would whack it to sleep, you know, put it to snooze again, and then some mornings when it would go off again, he'd throw it off of his counter and slap it across the room, and he didn't like being woke up like that. So, humanly speaking, we're like part of that is... This seems a little unsettling. I want to spend some time, and we're going to uh, dig into our last main text here today. So if you would turn to the book of Matthew. Matthew chapter 25 and verses 1 through 6. And we're going to read this, and then I'm going to give you some history to give you some background of what Jesus was talking about in this parallel and I feel like it's just going to open our eyes a little bit more to what the rapture and the second coming of Christ is like. And, and I hope you find comfort in it. So let's read these first uh, few verses. Matthew chapter 25. Then the kingdom of heaven shall be likened to ten virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Now five of them were wise and five were foolish. Those who were foolish took their lamps and they took new oil with them. But the wise took oil in their vessels along with their lamps. But while the bridegroom was delayed, they all slumbered and slept. And at midnight, a cry was heard. Behold, the bridegroom is coming. Go out to meet him. Then all the virgins arose, and they trimmed their lamps. This is a strange passage at face value. 
So I want to bring you in an understanding that when Jesus was talking to the disciples and he was sharing this story and he was sharing this amongst the people, I want to give you some background so that it makes more sense to you. And it's awesome. Marriage today, the ceremonies and the procedures, they're really different from what they were in, in Jewish times when Jesus was talking and teaching. So what would take place in Jewish biblical times when Jesus was talking about this is, let's say, of course I would. I wanted to marry Lori, okay? And in this time, I would have to go to Lori's parents and I'd have to go to them and I would say, I want to marry your daughter. And so, here's something that I'm not sure if I should say this because my father-in-law is probably going to go like, hmm, you need to pay up. But at that point, you had to pay a price. You had to pay a price in order to take the daughter from the Jewish family. Why? That in the perfect scenario of how God designed it and in the family of how God wanted it to be, that daughter is greatly loved. She is greatly loved. She is her parents' most precious thing that they own. And she also helps the household. Back then, you couldn't say, oh man, I'm, I'm out of milk. Um, let's just, can we run down to Walgreens and pick some up real quick? No, you had to go milk to goat, milk to cow. You had to do what you had to do. Everybody shared in the responsibilities for that household to live. So that daughter, Lori, would have a lot of responsibilities within the household, and she'd have to do a lot of work. So that payment was to show that there's great value in their most precious possession, and it also helps to fill the void that took place in the, in the household. So um, that would take place. That was one of the things. A price had to be paid, and sometimes it was money, Sometimes it was land, and they're like, hey, I've got, this, uh, I've got this nice lot beside my house in New Franklin. You got a view of the, uh, the woods behind us, and uh, we'll, we'll give you that for Lori, because I don't have enough money. And uh, I would never have enough money for Lori anyhow, but <laughs> let me clarify that real quick. And then sometimes we know the story in the Old Testament of when Jacob wanted to marry um, Rachel. And so he approached the father and said, I want to marry your daughter. And he said, but I don't have anything. He said, all right, well, let's work out a deal. Come work for me for seven years. Then you can have her. Of course, we, if you're familiar with that story, the father tricked him, gave him one of the other daughters who he didn't really want to marry. And then he had to stay on for another seven more years to work to marry the girl that he loved. Crazy story. So a price had to be paid. All this is really important to understand what Jesus is talking about here. So I want to give you as much background as I possibly can with the time we have. All right. So then what would take place is there would actually be a ceremony, and it would be with the priest, and they would go before, and basically Lori and I would be betrothed, okay? We even know that... The same thing took place with Joseph and Mary, the mother of Jesus. It says her espoused husband, they were betrothed. 
So what would happen is there, basically, Lori and I would get married, but we don't get to reap any of the benefits of that for a long time because we'd have to live completely separate for usually a year or so. So here's what takes place. I'd be like, all right, we get betrothed to each other. Technically, we're married. If we decided that we were not going to be together, we had to get divorced even before that time came. So that's why sometimes when we hear the story of Jesus and it said, Joseph considered, should I take her away privately? Someone, should I divorce her? What should I do? Even though they weren't fully married as we think of it today, they were betrothed. So what takes place here is a betrothal and the groom would go back home to his father's house to his father's land, to his father's kingdom, whatever it was, and he'd begin to build a place for his wife, for his bride. And when he would build that from scratch, it would take some time. And I'm really glad we don't do it that way because my father-in-law being a carpenter and him seeing my lack of carpenter school skills, he'd probably be like, you can't take my daughter. The walls are going to fall in on her. So, but he would go and prepare a place for his bride. One of the passages that is a, really a cornerstone and anchor when I'm doing a funeral service comes from John, and it says, Jesus says, for behold, I go to prepare a place for you. In my Father's house are many mansions, and behold, I go to prepare a place for you. That, in Jewish custom, is what the groom would do for his bride. Very interesting, isn't it? So then the bride, she would make herself ready. And so she would begin to prepare for her, her day, her, her wedding celebration, she would try to probably work some of the responsibilities that she had in the household and give them to somebody else within the home and work out those details. And that was part of her always being ready. Always being ready. <laughs> Here's the part. This custom even gets stranger, okay? So what will then happen is it would be around a year's time, could be nine months, could be 15 months. It was around a year. And she didn't know when her groom would come to take her home. She didn't know that. She always had to be ready. Lori, would you want to have your makeup and hair and everything ready for 24 hours a day for a year in case I come to get you? <laughs> Not good. She worked from home for a while during COVID, and I can tell you, she was pretty casual on those days. <laughs> okay? So to know that you have to be ready that whole time, that's an illustration that parallels so much of what it's like for us today as we look forward to the second coming. So here is another part that is amazing to this tradition, which even makes more sense. So like today, when we think of the rapture, when we think of the second coming, when I say that today, 
if you're listening today, if you're watching this later, if you're here with us right now, in your mind and in your heart, do you feel it's going to happen soon? Or do you feel like it's hundreds of years from now? I can tell you this. We're closer than we've ever been. <laughs> and if we look at what Scripture tells us, and if we look at the prophecies that have already been fulfilled and say, these things have to come to pass before I come again, they've all been fulfilled. Jesus can return at any time. Where does that leave us? Are we excited? Are we ready? Are we scared? Are we uncomfortable with it? We can know the season. I believe that the scriptures can, if we study it, if we walk close with the master, we can begin to get an intimacy that says, Lord, I feel like you're coming back soon. And I think that's pretty clear. If we totally pay no attention to it, just like those who don't know the Lord, we're going to be caught off guard. And the only person that knew when the bridegroom was going to come for his bride was the groom's father. That's the only one. Nobody else knew. And the Bible teaches us and tells us that the hour and the day specifically, not even the angels in heaven know that except God the Father. Can you see the parallel picture of what Jesus is painting here and how beautiful it is? So, what then takes place is the groom, as he now has his place ready for his bride, and everything's prepared, and it is all right, it is ready, it is beautiful, he talks to the father, and they agree upon a time that he will go for his bride. But nobody else knows this. I like the part, if we look again at um, verse 6, and it says, And at midnight a cry was heard. Oh, man, I love that song. If uh, I don't quite have a tenor voice or I would sing it all the time, but at that song, The Midnight Cry. When Jesus comes again, the Gaithers sing that. Some other people have done such a beautiful job with that at the midnight cry. And I want you to get a glimpse of what that really means there. Often, the groom would choose to go at midnight. Not always, but often at midnight. And it was the responsibility of the bride and the bridesmaids and everybody else to be ready. Because they don't know the exact day or the hour, but they know approximately when it's going to happen and when it's going to take place. And so the midnight cry takes place, and it's, it's not a cry that makes us tear up and get upset, and it's a beautiful thing. It's a... It's a cry of joy and celebration and happiness. And what takes place is the groom begins to come into town and he starts to go down the streets to the, to the neighborhood of where his bride-to-be is living. 
and they are blowing on the ram's horn like the trumpet of Jesus when he comes again. And they are coming in all the glory and the joy and the energy that they could possibly bring. The whole worship team is marching right down the street and a couple of them are complaining, why didn't we start this earlier? I'm a little tired and I got to go to work tomorrow. Because it's happening and it's on and everybody's going down and the worship team's got their amps cranked up and they are rocking out and people are singing and in the distance you begin to hear what she had been waiting for this whole time. It's happening. It's coming. And as they begin to get closer, she takes that last second to know, I'm going to run out to meet my groom, to meet my husband. There's a really cool phrase here. And uh, it says, the final step in the Jewish wedding's tradition is called the Nisian. You know what the Nisian means? To take. To take. But remember this. This is what I want you to get a glimpse of. When Jesus steps out to take us home, just like that bride, when he comes to take her home, she's not afraid. She's not afraid. This is everything that she could ever hope for and want, and it's beginning to happen. That word comes from the word naso. You know what naso means? To lift up. To lift up. To meet Jesus in the clouds. I kind of feel like the tradition that we sometimes have today where um, the, the, bride, the bride will be carried by her groom through the threshold of the house. That's what Jesus wants you to picture when he comes again for you. It's beautiful. It's not scary. It's the most wonderful thing that we could ever begin to imagine. Ever. The moment that it takes place, I want everyone to remember it's like Jesus, as he says over and over through his word, it's like Jesus Christ coming for his bride, the church. Those who have accepted them. Do you see that differently today? I know I do. It's a beautiful thing. It will surpass anything you could ever imagine as he takes you to the place that he has prepared for you. And then what would happen here is when the groom would take his bride and they would take the final step in their marriage and they would consummate their marriage and then there would be a feast that would last, I believe, a week long. We are going to celebrate in heaven for the rest of our lives. You know, another thing that we have trouble grasping and it's why the rapture tends to make us uncomfortable sometimes is we can't always 
get a good picture of what heaven's like. And fortunately for most of us, we've lived in some really blessed days in the United States of America and in the world. I got to be honest, I got to be completely transparent. Lori and I were, we had a really busy week. It was constant. There was something going from dusk to dawn all week long. And Friday night, I said, let's do a date night. And I go, you know what we're going to do? And she goes, well, I go, we're going to stay home. We're going to turn the phone off. We're just going to be by ourselves. And uh, she picked up some Mexican on the way home. We had Mexican food. It was beautiful out. We had the door open. And I got to be real honest. I had a moment right there. And I'm like, hmm, man, I don't know if I want the Lord to come right at this moment. Why? Because I got it so good right here that I can't even at times appreciate how great it's going to be because I'm that blessed. Some of you here, some of you watching, I know, you have hurts that only heaven will heal. I know that. I know that. But in the seasons of life, there are many times that we want to hold on to this world because it's all we know. And we enjoy a lot of things in it. And God has blessed us with amazing beauty. If you love to garden, heaven is going to have the most amazing gardens we could ever imagine. You don't have to pull one weed. If you like to hike, if you like to run, you'll be able to run and you'll never grow weary. Your knees won't hurt. Your feet won't get sore. Whatever you love to do, I truly believe heaven will explode how good that is for us. That's what God has waiting for you. If he created the world and everything in it in a matter of days, and he's been preparing a place for you for all this time, heaven, we will not look back on anything on this earth and go, man, I wish I didn't have to leave that. The only thing that could possibly be that is our loved ones. And that's why along with not being afraid, not being unsure of what the rapture means for us. Church, you have to let your light shine so that people see a difference and pray that God will give you an opportunity to share the hope that is in you so that they won't be left behind. That's the only thing. That's the only thing. I will... Life is so good. Can you imagine if we were all Jews and right now we were in the midst of World War II and we were somewhere in Europe? How would we be praying? Oh, Jesus, come now. Come take me. This is awful. But we're so blessed that sometimes we don't really appreciate what heaven has waiting for us. I promise you. It surpasses anything that you can imagine. Praise team, if you'd come up and, folks, if you'd turn back just to that one verse that we started out with today. Titus chapter 2, verses 13. 
one thing that I want you to think about, and this, this is me too. I'm the one that was, that's speaking to you and preaching today, and I'm also the one that was on the couch going, oh, Lord, maybe not tonight. Okay, this is for all of us. We who have accepted the Lord as our Savior have the Holy Spirit indwelling us. And when we start to think about the rapture, when we start to think about it, and we become uncomfortable with it at times because of our own humanness and our own flesh, and we're like, I want my children to be able to grow up. I want them to get married. I want them to experience all these things. They will experience heaven. And they won't miss out on anything. It'll all be fulfilled. Say, Lord Jesus, help me through the power of the Holy Spirit to get a glimpse of glory so that I too can look forward to the blessed hope. Let's read that verse one more time. Looking for the blessed hope and the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, Lord, we, um, we are in so many ways living in times that we are greatly blessed. And the things of this world can be very appealing, very enjoyable. And there's some things that you created for our good that we are able to enjoy. There's also sins that we can so easily get entrapped with in our own flesh, in our own mind, that we begin to push you aside. But Lord, always help us to look to you. And Father, may we look to your coming again, totally different than we have before, with great excitement and anticipation of the hope of what it's like to be your bride and to be redeemed to escape everything else and to spend eternity with you. Father, encourage all those listening today to find that hope in you. And Father, today, there's that one person here that might be feeling, I don't have the blessed hope because I don't know that I'm going to go when that trumpet sounds. Or I don't know where I'm going to go when I take my last breath on this earth. They can. They just need to surrender their life to you. Just like a bride surrenders her life to the marriage and gives her life over to her husband and he with her, that's what you want from us. So that we might accept you and make a covenant with you through the blood of Christ find salvation, to find hope, and to have a future. I pray that today. If you're watching today, you've never done that. As we close the service out online and we have an altar call here for those that are able to join us today, take a moment and pause and pray. Make yourself ready for the day of his coming and live with great excitement 
for the blessed hope of his coming. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. I hope Jesus, through the power of the Holy Spirit, has spoke to you today through his word. You know, no matter what you go through, no matter what you face in life, I want you to know that through the one, Jesus Christ, through his death on the cross of Calvary, he shed his perfect blood for you and for me. And if you pray right now and ask Jesus into your heart, the message that you heard today, why God is speaking to you, I want you to know that you can have hope. And all you have to do is pray with me right now. Don't try and figure it out. The Lord says, by faith, we accept Jesus as our Savior, and you'll have hope for eternity. You say, Dallas, will you help me? What do I have to do? Well, let me share with you a verse. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. If you're willing to believe that God sent his son to die on a cross for you, just pray this prayer with me right now. And you can have heaven as your home. Jesus will forgive you for anything you've done in this life. And you can have hope from this day forward. Pray this prayer. Dear Jesus, forgive me a sinner. I believe that you're God's son. And you came and lived a perfect life. And you died on the cross. And you shed your perfect blood for all of my sin. And right now, Jesus, I ask you to come into my heart to forgive me for all of my sins and to cleanse me from all unrighteousness. And from this day forward, help me to live by your resurrection power. In Jesus' name. If you've prayed that prayer, we want to hear from you. Contact us through our website, City Church AC, or you can get at our church app through any of the um, streaming services, and we want you to know that we'll contact you. And from this day forward, no matter what you face, you'll always have hope, knowing that Jesus is your Savior, and he'll come through in your life. Thank you for being with us today.